It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. John Legend has been poised for greatness since he was a precocious toddler learning piano at the age of four. By the time he was 11, he was writing his own songs and singing them in church with dreams of one day becoming as famous as the legends he idolized. Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, and the music that called for lasting social change would become the bar from which John Legend measured his own work. In five years, he would go on to win nine Grammys and sell out concerts around the world, writing his own songs and collaborating with music superstars along the way. But John's genius goes far beyond music. His outspoken concern for education, poverty, and politics landed him on Time Magazine's list of the most influential people in the world. Tonight on Next Chapter, I'm at the Los Angeles home where John lives with his fiancée, Chrissy Teigen. John! Hello! Hello. Well, Welcome to our home. Oh, I love the bamboo. Yes. Oh, wow. And we got some bamboo, we got agave, cactus, all kinds of stuff back wow. here. Wow. Oh, I love this. This okay. we love. We have barbecues here all the time. Really? And uh, it's kind of just a nice vibe. Nice. Get to relax with friends. Nice. We like to cook yeah. a lot. This is my favorite spot back here. Really? The little, right there uh, in that little Reading chair. Cove. If you ever want to read, that's, that's a good place to do it. I exactly. love a man with a reading cold. <laughs> <laughs> I love a reading cold. <laughs> also feels like coyote it. country. Do you have dogs, man? Yes. Yeah. It's scary because uh, there was a coyote back here, and he attacked our little uh, French bulldog. Oh, but yeah. she she got away. She got away? Yes, yeah, she got away. I know. I, I, I never let my dogs go out alone. Yeah, it's scary at night. Yeah. So welcome. All right. Now we're inside. Yes. This is your first house in L.A.? Yes, this is my first house in L.A. You know, anytime I tell anybody uh, in the past two weeks that I was going to be talking to you, uh -huh. you know the first thing they say? Oh, he's so smart. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Quincy Jones says, brilliant, baby. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. You know, Quincy Jones so. always says nice things about me. So, uh, in some ways, you're really breaking a, a, a musician stereotype. Yeah. Ivy Leaguer, mm -hmm. activist, political insider. Is it your goal to do that? You know what's crazy? I, I wrote an essay when I was in, I think I was a junior in high school. 
and it was for this thing called the Black History Makers of Tomorrow, and they had an essay competition. And every year they would have a contest for the high school kids to say, how do you plan on making an impact on black history? And my dad still has that essay that I wrote back then, and basically I said exactly what I'm doing right now. I said, I want to use my career in music to uh, make change in the world and influence my community and try to do good things in the world. I've just been fortunate enough to be able to actually actualize uh, the dreams that I had for myself. Before John Legend became one of the biggest names in music, he was John Stevens, born to a church-going gospel-singing family just outside of Springfield, Ohio. John's father, Ron, was a factory worker. His mother, Phyllis, took in work as a seamstress. At first homeschooled by his mother, John was considered a prodigy when he entered high school at just 12 years old. I felt at the time that the school systems weren't up to par. I wanted the best that I could possibly give them. I felt like I wanted better for my children. Then at 16, John graduated salutatorian of his class. After turning down offers from prestigious universities like Harvard and Georgetown, John graduated magna cum laude from the University of Pennsylvania. You've been a musician, really, since you were four years old, yeah, yeah. 11 years old. Yeah. Fame is a different animal. Fame is different. And, yeah. uh, you know, I feel like fame has been relatively kind to me versus some other people. I'm not so famous that, you know, I can't walk on the streets of New York without kind of having a little bit of peace. Uh, I'm not so famous that it's overwhelming. And it also happened to me at an age where I think I was ready to handle it because I had already been an adult for a while. I had worked a real job, I had yeah. gone to college. Um, so it didn't hit me when I was like 14 or 16, like some of these stars, which, you know, I wanted to be them when I was a kid. I, I, I watched Star Search and I wanted to be those people right. that got discovered when they were, you know, 10, 12, 14 years old and became a big star. But in retrospect, I think it was better for me that it, it didn't happen then because, so because I can handle it a lot better yeah. now. John was 26 when he wrote and released the 2000 smash hit, Ordinary People. That song catapulted him to a level of fame he had only dreamed of. My theory about fame is, is that if you don't know who you are when it hits, mm -hmm. then you believe everything that yes. everybody says you yes. are because you have nothing to be grounded yeah. in. Yeah, and I think I've been fortunate that I have the same friends that I've had for years. I just feel like I knew who I was before all this happened, and it's very, it's, it, it makes it a lot easier to handle. And also, because you were always so smart. Literally, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I used to, you know, think I was smart because I skipped the second grade. <laughs> That's nothing compared to you skipped two grades. I skipped first grade and seventh grade. And so why did you skip first grade? Because you already knew how to read? When I already you... knew how to read. I knew my, I, they tested me all this stuff, like multiplication tables, all these things. And You're doing multiplication tables I in the first that. grade? The <laughs> only thing I didn't know how to do was division at that point. Yeah. So when they, when they did You're the test. You're excused from that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, so, so you I was, going to high school at 12 years old? I was 12 years old when I got to high school. Oh. Yeah. So I was, I was about a foot shorter than I am now. I was this scrawny little kid. Yeah. Did the kids bully you? They didn't bully me. They kind of joked with me, but I had my older brother was right there with me. I had some other friends from my neighborhood with me, and, and everybody kind of let me be. They didn't... Uh, they didn't bully me. I got called uh, Doogie Howser, though. That was like a nickname. Some yeah, of them called yeah, me because for obvious reasons. Yeah. And, uh, but Doogie was like a well, doctor. That's good compared to <laughs> what could have happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I was lucky I didn't grow up in a place where you, you were uh, made to feel terrible for being smart or made to feel terrible for being a nerd, which I kind of was. <laughs> but despite your age and, uh, you know, being this young kid in that environment, you were prom king. 
Yes, eventually. I kind of grew into it. And, and class president. I was student body president, oh, too, so. Everybody knew you. <laughs> you know you know why, because I, I sang, you know? <laughs> because uh, that was how people kind of started to know who I wasn't. And also, it was the way I come out of my shell, too. But music, and this is why I'm a big advocate for arts in the schools, because certain people need that kind of outlet, and they may not uh, know how to shine exactly in the classroom at first because they need that kind of outlet to help them grow into who they are. So I graduated from Penn, yeah. and all my friends were applying to consulting firms, banking firms, yeah, yeah. and all these things, and that seemed like the normal path that you would go after you left Penn. To make money. Yeah, to make money, to have stability, yeah. to kind of get in the rat race. And uh, I ended up getting a job offer at Boston Consulting Group, and at that point, I had loans to pay off. <laughs> I was a little worried that music wouldn't happen right away, and so I wanted to have some kind of income coming in because I didn't have a family that could kind of cushion me. I had to kind of take care of myself, and so I didn't want to be a starving artist just yet. Um, so I took the job, and I, I said, you know, it'll probably last a year, maybe two at the most, and I'll get a record deal by then. Uh, but it took a little longer. Uh, after I graduated in 99, I didn't get a record deal until 2004. Mm -hmm. And all of that time, I was in New York playing gigs at night, yeah. writing songs. I was yeah. working with Alicia Keys. I would you know, go to work in my business casual or my suit and then go to the studio right afterwards. Did and, you think you could songs. do both at the time? Did you think I you could I thought I could do both for a while. Yeah. And I didn't sleep back then. I sleep a lot more now. People think I'm so busy now, but... Yeah. I was actually a lot busier back then when I wasn't making any money than I am now. And uh, eventually, after years of getting told no by all the record labels, eventually they decided uh, that my time had come and they signed me to Columbia in May of 2004. Then you came to my house in 2005. I came to your house in 2005. And I always tell people, when they ask me, how did you know you were famous? I was like, the day I got a call from Oprah <laughs> and Magic Johnson on the same day. <laughs> You said, something's happening. <laughs> something's happening. It was soon after uh, Ordinary People had come out and the album had come out in December of 04. And, uh, How much do you love that song? <laughs> I mean, because that was... It changed my life. And I, I wrote the song... I started out as a song for the Black Eyed Peas, which is yeah. kind of crazy how things work out. So I'm in the studio with Will I Am, yeah. and Will uh, is saying, you know, playing me different beats that he had worked on, and he was like, you got any hooks for these, you know? And so I was writing, and... So what does a hook mean? A hook is basically the chorus, and the, the okay. chorus of our song is... Okay, I'm tired. We're just ordinary people. Okay, that's the hook. We don't know which way to go. It's really the thing you remember most about the song. Oh, okay, the yeah. hook. Yes, that's the hook. Got it. Uh, or some would say, take it slow, oh, 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 is the hook as well. So yeah. that's all kind of part of the hook. And I wrote all of that in the studio with Will I Am that day. And I hadn't written the verses yet. And I was thinking, you know, this is a great chorus, maybe they'll use it. And then I was thinking, hmm, maybe actually I could write a really good ballad for me uh, for that song instead of letting the Black Eyed Peas use it. And so I took the song, the chorus, and... Uh, and the hook. The hook, yes. But the more I played the song for people, people were like, we just like it simple like this. Like that. With nothing else on it, no yeah. beat, nothing else, just you, Not all your voice. Not up, yeah. Yeah, just you, your voice, and the piano. Wow. And uh, so that was the version that came out. And it's weird when I listen to it now, because it sounds like the rough version to me now. Because my voice, I, I know how to make it sound a little better in the studios now than I did back then. And I'm like, man, I, I should have done a few more takes of that. <laughs> It is what it is, and it, and it obviously uh, changed. changed my life. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
I know that your passion for for education is almost as strong as your passion for sure. music. Mm -hmm. And you told me once that the education crisis in America is a civil rights issue of mm -hmm. our time. Yeah. Speak to that. It's real. Uh, you know, when I give speeches, sometimes I read from uh, a speech that President Lyndon Johnson, mm -hmm. he gave. He signed the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things he said when he spoke at Howard, that it's not enough for us to have law, I'm paraphrasing, but it's not enough for us to have laws in place that say everyone's equal if we don't give people the opportunity to actually realize that and actualize right. it. Right. And when we don't have schools that are doing what they need to do to give people real opportunity, then we're not really fully fulfilling the civil rights that people fought for. What makes you the angriest? Uh, well, I think that a lot of people give up on our kids and they, they think that uh, because they grow up in a certain neighborhood, because they have certain conditions in life that they're there's no way that they're going to succeed. And if you go into it with those expectations... Most people rise to whatever expectations yeah, they have. Yeah, they'll rise to those expectations, and we have to change that expectations game and say, you know, hey, we've got to do better. Our kids got to do better, our parents got to do better, and our schools have got to do better. Don't go anywhere. More to come after this short break. No two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, Destinations and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas' 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now... Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Macy's Mother's Day gift guide has the perfect gift to make mom feel special. Shop by price, like 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and for grandma. Get top gifts like Dolce & Gabbana Devotion, Eau de Parfum, Coach Floral Printed Leather Cassie Crossbody Bag, and Le Creuset Shallot Dutch Oven. Shop at Macy's.com slash This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. 
Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. You started the Show Me campaign. In the past six years, John's Show Me campaign has raised millions to fight the cycle of poverty and help repair what he calls our broken school system. His goal is to help every child in America receive an outstanding education. Internationally, Show Me has helped girls go to school in Kenya and villagers in Tanzania get access to clean water, health care, and education. Well, you once said that it may be too risky for artists to take a political yeah. stand, and yet you do just that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get told to shut up and sing every once in a while. <laughs> um, but I came up reading about Marvin Gaye, reading about Stevie Wonder, reading about Paul Robeson, and all these people that uh, weren't just musicians and, and used their platform to really make change. And so um, I feel like I want to carry on that legacy. Do you have haters? Of course, everybody's got haters. You, you, you're never successful if you don't have some haters, but I feel like I'm in a good place. There's always gonna be somebody that hates you and always gonna be somebody that says something bad about you, whether it's true or not. And uh, you just, as you know, you just have to, to either ignore it or just learn to, to deal with it. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about what happened. I was watching that Henry Louis Gates special. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yes. Finding your roots. Finding your roots. So he told us. So you have a whole story. long line of people that stuff. were fighting for yeah. justice, you know. Yes. And he told me that uh, we had family that had been freed by one of their uh, masters, but the family of the master tried to reclaim them. Yeah. And Ohio, my Kentucky, Ohio. Yes, and my my uh, my home state of Ohio, which was where I was born and raised, they fought for my family's freedom, and eventually won it. Pretty incredible. That's an incredible story. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it reminded me of uh, Toni Morrison's book and then later the movie we did, Beloved, because yes. it's about the slave master coming back yes. from Kentucky, yes. going over the river to Ohio. Exactly, to and Toni Morrison knows all about Ohio. No, Toni yeah. Morrison knows all about that. <laughs> yes, yeah. she, uh, she, uh, she's, she was one of my favorites. I was an English major in, in college. And uh, What's your favorite Toni Morrison book? I love Song of Solomon, and I loved, uh, I loved Bluest Eye also. Yeah. 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 Blue Side has yeah. to be my favorite. Yeah. yeah, is writing music like a spiritual plaque? You you kind of open yourself up, and you know mm. I know Quincy's spoken of this many times mm-hmm. too, about leaving room for God to walk in the door. Do you sort of open yourself up to that? Do you think? I think music is very spiritual, mm-hmm. and no matter what your religion is, I think you just feel connected to life, to the universe, whatever it is. Mm-hmm when you when music is right when when the, when it, when it comes together and it's not always right and it's not always beautiful but when when it does come together like it sometimes can move me to tears in 2006 john legend met model chrissy teigen chrissy has appeared in sports illustrated swimsuit issues and has created a name for herself with some of the raciest tweets on twitter while vacationing in the maldives john and chrissy got engaged there she is, there she is. Hi. What are you doing in well, my home? Oh, <laughs> came to see you. Came to see you. Am I in the middle? Yes, you're right here. Oh in the dear. Yes. Oh man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Congratulations. Thank you. Thank yes. you. So, do you all have a date 
for the wedding. Yes, we do. You're just not telling people. Yes, we're we're being a little coy about it. John's being coy. Me, I got I have a big mouth. I love I love saying it. <laughs> you love saying it. <laughs> He's taught me better. As you as you probably can tell, one of us is a little quieter than the other. Yeah. Gosh, let me see it. Cube cut. Let me see. Oh, this thing. Cushion, whatever. Did I do a good job? Good job. <laughs> I would trust him, though. I mean, Mr. Skip, the first grade and the seventh grade, and magna cum laude. Uh, but uh, when we first met, I don't think I would have been a, as good at picking out anything for her. But I think uh, having gone shopping with her enough now. Did you get the dress too? He I, did give me. The I dress. picked this dress out. I don't that normally is buy good. dresses. I don't, that is good. I don't normally buy dresses for her because I feel like that's a, a thing a woman should probably usually do for themselves and try it on. Yes. But it was on the mannequin, and I'm terrible seeing a dress on the hanger and thinking whether or not it'll yeah, work. Yeah, he needs to visualize. I need to yes. visualize it, but it was on a mannequin, and I was like, oh, Chrissy would look great in that, so I got it. Oh, nice. I mean, <laughs> that's nice. He's so great. When did you propose? I proposed December of 2011. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How did you We're know? Chilling. When it happened? <laughs> when, when it happened that you'd said, "Okay, I'm ready for the next step," because you've been together for seven years, yeah. right? Yeah. So how did? What was going on? That These you are said? good questions. I don't yes. think it was like one particular. <laughs> I don't think it was one particular moment, but I knew I loved her. I knew I could see myself living with her and spending time with her forever. I knew I could envision us having kids together, and uh, <laughs> I felt like it was time to propose. Um, she didn't pressure me. She didn't say, you know, it's time to put a ring on it. It was just like, I felt like, <laughs> I felt like it's time for us to get married. Were you thinking, though, Chrissy, it's time to put a ring on it? There were, I mean, after year four, you kind of start wondering, like, when is this going to happen? And he's such a romantic all the time. Like, literally, we would just go up to the Berkshires or something, and he would say, like, let's ride bicycles to the lake and like or let's go up to the rooftop and, and have a glass of wine and yeah. I would be like it's time <laughs> false alarm <laughs> yeah there were a few false alarms with John trust me <laughs> but this one was totally unexpected when when it actually happened and uh, I really had no idea okay so you had on other occasions thinking this is the moment yeah and then I think you just lose hope then maybe I had just lost <laughs> hope okay. you know what's funny is we were traveling to the Maldives. I don't know if you've yeah, been to the yeah. Maldives, but it's beautiful down I've there. I've seen them in the, in the picture books. <laughs> I've seen she, them. Yeah, she actually, she did a Sports Illustrated shoot down there, and she was like, we got to go to the Maldives. Uh, and so we went there over the holidays in 2011. I knew I was going to propose by then. I was planning it, you know, a couple months in advance, and I was trying to hide the ring in my bag. And she could see anything in my bag. I don't hide stuff from her. So I had to put it in a nondescript box that she wouldn't question. It was in my carry-on bag going through the airport security. And security wanted to look through my bag. And they wanted to look in that particular box. And Chrissy was sitting, standing right next to me. And I was like, oh my god, I've hit it so well this whole time. Now, as we're wow. just about to get to the Maldives, she's going to find out I have a ring in this box. It's going to ruin the surprise. I'm going to have to get on my knees in the airport. <laughs> just in front of security? In front of security. So what did you do? No romance. So for some reason, they decided not to look in the box. It just, they just didn't look. Wow. I had read somewhere that you learned how to treat a woman from your father. Is yes. That true? My dad is a gentleman. Uh, and he always has been. And so, I felt like he was always the, you know, the open the doors, the flowers, the writing the nice note. Uh, he did? The whole thing, he did all that. And so uh, he was kind of like my training for how to, uh, to be chivalrous and just, you know, be a gentleman. Is that what attracted you to him? 
Or was I, it the songs? I mean, everybody wants a guy who can sing. I'm going to be yeah. honest with you. When I first signed up for that first meeting, the, the initial meeting was a music video. I really didn't know much about him. I was pretty half naked. John was in a full suit, but, but I, <laughs> Life is not fair sometimes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we just got to know each other there, but the music wasn't an attraction. Um, and, uh, but for me, he's not like anyone I've ever met before in my entire life. He really does things that are so sweet that you actually feel sick telling your friends, like, oh, John did this for me. and. And they're always like, well, why didn't you do that for me? Like, they go back to their husbands and their boyfriends. Yes, and I read somewhere where you said you're tired of people saying that, you know, being with John, John you're so lucky to be with John. Oh, people love doing that. People yeah. love coming to me and they say, oh, uh, what's your name? Chrissy. Oh, you're so, you're so lucky to have this man. I'm like, thank you so much. Yes, I know. I know I'm very lucky. Trust me, I know I'm very lucky to have John all the time. Every day I think that. But so. no, one likes, to be, no one likes to feel like they won the lottery yeah. by being with someone <laughs> that they're with. Because, yeah. you know, we're in a relationship and I'm lucky to have her too. John Legend and his fiancée, Sports Illustrated swimsuit model Chrissy Teigen, made headlines when the New York Post published a story accusing John of cheating. Chrissy immediately took to Twitter, angrily denying the story. Now, you have made quite a name for yourself on Twitter. You have no reluctance whatsoever. I, uh, yeah, that's a problem sometimes. <laughs> Like, I mean, you will F-bomb them, you will... Oh, yeah. I Obviously, I'm very outspoken, and I'll say anything, and more... I'm, I guess I'm the slowest learner ever, apparently, because I keep saying I'm learning to, to hold it back a little bit more, but I feel like I've really calmed down since the, the beginning of Twitter, which is crazy for people to believe. Yeah. You calmed down? <laughs> this is me... Yes. This is our call. Actually, yeah, this is... Okay, so when the Post down. accused you of cheating, yes. you went on, and you... you... I, why do I do these things? Oprah, I'm so stupid. Well, we've had a few run-ins <laughs> with the tabloids, and they've been very creative in the past. Yes. It's like one time we we decided to go to a hotel. Oh, John, this is one a time very, we decided to go to a hotel. This because is a dirty story. We just were we were just feeling frisky, and we we live here in LA. My parents. We were are over here. in we were over in Beverly Hills or Santa Monica, and we were like, let's just go to a hotel over here, and we don't want to drive back home, and. Uh, we went there, and then the, the, the tabloid said that I went to the, a hotel with someone who was not Chrissy. She was tall and blonde, and Chrissy knew it was her. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> We've yeah. gotten used to people making up stories about yeah. us. But yet, when that thing came out in the post, you, you were pretty pissed, or did you believe it? I was it, really upset with it because, uh, I mean, I'm not upset. I never for one second thought that John had done anything. I knew who he was with that night. I, I mean, I didn't question it at all. But um, it wasn't fun to have uh, people questioning us. My favorite story that they made up, it wasn't a post, it was another paper. They made up that I got into a drunken brawl at a, at a club one time, and this was like in a bunch of tabloids, and anyone who knows anything about me knows I would never get into a drunken brawl anywhere. Okay. John, do you ever think she's crossed the line? <laughs> you know, at first, when she first started, when Twitter first started, uh, <laughs> I was worried, like, you know, don't be too honest, don't share too much. But then I think she's actually more uh, brazen on Twitter than she is just in regular life. Like when like, she didn't she, she some... shows more of her sweet side in regular life. Yeah. And so once I got used to it, I looked at it as I love it. Even when she posted she... a nude photo on Instagram? <laughs> well, the thing is, I see her in Sports Illustrated, and it's no different. <laughs> I read that one of the things that you love most about him is that he humors you so. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, I'm sure there's times where John is like, 
Chrissy, why did you say that? Or Chrissy, um, or I mean, he, he basically, he makes me feel like I'm the funniest, most beautiful person on earth all the time. Well, my and, thing is. And for me, I, I, he, he, I feel like he believes it. <laughs> A lot of times I feel like people are like, you know, they want us to be like the president and the first lady where anything she says represents my views or represents us as a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like she should be her own entity and her own persona. And I'm not going to say, so you can serve my needs and my career, you have to muzzle yourself and not be who you are. Because part of what I fell in love with was that person who she is. Yeah. And so why would I tell her to muzzle that just so, you know, it's, it's safer for my career. But what I do think about and what does hurt me is when someone writes me something like, I am upset with John right now because of something you said or I'm not going to buy John's music. That, that hurts me because that's, you know, I, I never mean to connect him in any of my crazy things that I spew out. I know, but he is an activist and he has speaks out himself and obviously it feels secure enough that you can take a stand on things that are important to you in life. I think being, us being authentic is better than us not being authentic. I think she has a lot more fans than any other model would ever have because people connect to her as a person. Yeah. And I think why people love her, uh, and some people hate her, but most people <laughs> love, I think, what? I think a lot more people love her is yeah. because she's not afraid to be herself and they actually feel like she's a real person. I see authenticity as a big theme yeah. in your life yeah. and, and your family's life. Mm -hmm. Okay, you wanna have babies? Yes, of course. Yeah. I want to have lots of babies. Lots of babies. <laughs> Me too. Try to yeah. just kick you them do too? out. Yeah. I do. I, I grew up in a family of four kids, so I'm used to having. See, I think that's funny siblings. because I grew well, up in a Well, y'all are going to have some family. smart, pretty babies. With <laughs> huge foreheads, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> y'all are going to have some huge foreheaded, smart, pretty babies. I read that you call Chrissy your end and your beginning. Yeah. I wrote a song called All of Me. The song says, you know, all of me loves all of you. And what I'm talking about in the song is like, anytime you're in a long-term relationship with somebody, there's gonna be give and take, there's gonna be back and forth, and there's gonna be compromise, there's going to be work. And I feel like in the song, uh, what I'm saying is, I'm in for all of that. That's why we're getting married. I'm in for all of that. I and, accept it all. Yeah, and hopefully she'll accept all of mine. Thank no, you. my goodness. Thank, Thank you, you for coming. Thank you. That's a beautiful ending. That's great. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary dairy. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC.